when I was a little girl, I wanted to marry a rich man. That was my dream. How, yeah. how messed up is that? Why do some women seem to have it all together, whereas others seem to be more like a butterfly trying to survive a tornado? Author Cindy McPike observes there is often a common thread pulling through the fabric that weaves the behaviors of women into consistent patterns, whether directive or destructive. One of these threads can be the presence or absence of a supportive father or father figure in the adolescent lives of women. Author Cindy McPike, in her book, Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood, identifies the common struggles and the transformation that is possible on the path towards emotional health. Join this conversation as host Melody Campbell interviews author Cindy McPike, and they discuss what she has learned on her journey from struggling with coping mechanisms that keep her trapped as a victim to learning to understand her own personal worth and how she developed healthy communications of her own needs. Well, we are here again with author Cindy McPike to discuss her book, Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood, Identifying the Common Struggles and Transformation that is Possible on the Path Toward Emotional Health. Good. I Well, I guess it's afternoon. Who knows what it'll be when everyone is listening, but good afternoon, Cindy. How are you today? Awesome. Thanks. How are you? I'm excellent, and I am really kind of excited to cover this next chapter. You don't need to be rescued by a man. And, you know, I I grew up with the message all around me, you know, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, all of it is from the childhood on up with these images of our Prince Charming coming to rescue us. So. Isn't that what life is all about, being rescued by a man? Well, you would certainly think so, based on the literature that we hand young women. Yeah. Little girls. I mean, yeah, you got Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Rapunzel, uh, although she kind of rescued herself with her wit a little bit. But yeah, I mean, essentially, when I was a little girl... I wanted to marry a rich man. That was my dream. How, yeah. we, how messed up is that? Yeah. Did, I mean, it, it just, why wouldn't I think that? I mean, even the books we read, you got uh, to some extent, you know, Wuthering Heights, Jane Eyre. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? There's always a guy. Sometimes they're not great. But the bottom line is that we are taught from the time that we are little and I'm not sure here, you know, when we're taught from the time we're little that, you know, that this tendency to want to be rescued by a man through literature or through observation, also just societal roles. I mean, even if a woman tries to buck the trend and wants to have children, but doesn't want to stay home with them, you know, then she faces, you know, am I not a good mother? Am I not as dedicated as a mother? And then if she does stay home, she's ostracized by the professional woman. And she's, you know, there's really no clear path for a woman through the ability to have both a career and a family like there is a man. <clears throat> so the example that I have given before is one time I'm in a room and we're talking about leadership and they talk 
about the woman, you know, and they don't want to include her because she's pregnant in consideration and they don't want her to have to pick between her job and her family, which of course is sex discrimination at its greatest form, right? Yeah. That decision for a woman ever. But they don't realize it because that's benevolent sexism, which we've already discussed because they're taking care of her because she's too fragile to make this all important decision between <laughs> her family and having a child. We should never ask her to have to choose between her job and her child. We'll just choose for her and tell her that her child is the most important thing. Aren't we the nicest people in the world to be that thoughtful to our female employees? Yeah. So even if you're trying not to be rescued by a man, you're still going to be rescued by men who think that they're doing well, but they're really holding you down by making decisions on your behalf. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's dial it out of the workplace a little bit. Let me tell you an experience that I had after I got a divorce from my son's father and I decided that I wanted new living room furniture. Okay. Now prepare yourself for what I'm about to tell you, Melody. I literally wanted a man to help me pick a couch. What? Yes. I was, it was a, I was spending to me a lot of money and I just wanted another human being to tell me because I, I really like the color orange and I bought a burnt orange couch. Okay. And I still love it. I did buy it and I love it. It's like 20 years old now and it's been vomited on a few times. It needs <laughs> to go, right? It needs to go. But the first thing that the first time my ex-husband came over, he was like, wow. Uh, you know, and I, at some point I said, well, would you guys like this couch? I think I'm going to get a new one. He's like, I do not want an orange couch. And I'm like, you know, at that point I wasn't crushed because it had been a few years. But <laughs> my point is I'm in my, I'm 30 five years old, spending $5,000 on a couch and I can't make up my mind. And what do I want? I want a man to help me. Oh How insane my. is that? Yeah. See now, but I had been used to that because I had been in a marriage and all those decisions that felt so weighty, I had had a compadre to help me with. Should I put my son in private school? There's a little bit of gangs in the other school. Private school is definitely better, but it's smaller. He'll be a little isolated and it's going to cost me a lot of money. Of course, I'm going to want to ask someone else their opinion. Who's the first person you're going to ask? Your spouse. So especially if you're a woman who's been in a situation where you have been perhaps not allowed to be your true self or you have not taken advantage of that opportunity, whether it's the other person's fault or whether you perceived it and you self-elected to not be yourself, once you're moving out of that, it's going to feel scary because you have become used to that. Even yeah. with a daddy that's moving out of her house. Mm -hmm. uh, and in starting to do things on her own. Now, if she's got a good balanced dad, he's going to let her do that in a healthy way, right? Yeah. If he doesn't, it's probably not going to be so healthy. So like one time I moved into a new apartment, I was really afraid somebody was going to break in. And this was when my uh, dad's wife had just died, right? Mm. And, and at that time, he wanted me to help him while she was dying. Uh, that's in my book. Anyway, that's a whole nother chapter. But the when he uh, when he came over to my house and he was gonna you know do some security, he came in. He looked at my back door. I'm on the third floor, 
third floor up. It would be quite high for somebody to climb up here because the yeah. first floor wasn't even on the base floor. And he looked at me and told me I was insane. There was no way in hell anybody was ever going to break into that apartment. That'd be the last one they ever tried to break in. So yeah, I got the man's perspective. It wasn't very gentle. It, it was helpful. I got a, off on a little bit of a tangent there. But my point is, not only is it natural for us to look outside of ourselves for some reinforcement of whatever decision we're making, whatever belief we have, as women, we are taught by society to look to our man for that. Until you really, literally, consciously decide that you are going to step away from that dependency, you will, without realizing it, find yourself looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, especially generations gone by, you know, they were talking about, you know, women going to college to get their MRS degree, literally looking for a husband. You know, they were, that's what they were there for. They weren't there to become, you know, scientists or businesswomen or, you know, doctors, nurses, maybe, but not doctors, nothing with a a leadership role, because that was the man's role. And we didn't want to take a job from a man. Now, what do you, how do you think girls, um, so young women, they're just in their, let's say in their twenties and they were girls without daddies. How do they see, are they as likely to, because, because our culture's changed a little bit. Are they as likely to want to look to men, you know, as a safety net, like cultures gone by have? I think that the answer to that is yes. And the reason that I say that is when I have given this some thought, I think that the biology of women holds us in a perpetual pattern of falling back into the concept of being saved by a man. And I think it goes, it's literally like a a caveman type of evolutionary inbred type of thing. Mm -hmm. You've got a, a strong, robust man on your arm, you're going to feel safer. If you've got an 80-year-old man who can barely walk, but he happens to be a multi-billionaire, you're going to feel safer. And that's just the way society is. Mm -hmm. So to your point, many, many years ago, I worked with a woman. She was pregnant, and she touted vehemently that she would never give up her career for her child, ever. Mm -hmm. And it was never going to happen. So this was my impression of the woman. She had that child. And within a year, she quit her job to take care of that child. Now, she happened to be in a a, a uh, semi-oppressive marriage. Mm. And I think that certainly contributed to it. But, you know, here's the deal. It's hard to be a high-powered professional woman and a mother. You were constantly torn. And you have to have your mindset that it is okay for you to do both. And it is okay because children, my son, I went back to work. I retired when he was 13 and I recently started a new company. He's 26 and he works for me, but he didn't get to see me as a professional all those years while he was growing up. Mm -hmm. And and as a result, I feel he would disagree with me because he thinks that I see everything differently, of course. But I feel like he does not respect my business skills as much because of that. He interrupts me more. Part of that is just that he hasn't had a lot of, uh, you know, when he was younger. And this is better now. I'm talking about when he was younger. But I, I just think that children of 
mothers that are in the workplace see their mothers dealing with balancing out their lives. And yeah, if their moms are at home, that's great too. You know, if that's what the mom wants to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it just, I just, what I would want is for a woman to decide what she wants for herself and then be happy with whatever that choice is. So this woman yeah. that I told you that quit after a year, right? Mm -hmm. I saw her at a reunion 30 years later mm -hmm. and she's no longer with that one guy. The, the one that wasn't the best one to be with. And now she's determined to find another man because the guy wants to renegotiate her, her ex wants to renegotiate her alimony. And she doesn't think that she could live off of less than what she's getting. Now, I can tell you right now that her alimony is probably four times the national average for average salary per person in the United States. Hmm. Wow. No, let me see here. One, two, I'm going to say three times. So <laughs> she's still, my point is, she's, here's a woman that wasn't going to give up her career for anything. She got sideways in a relationship. And now her focus is finding another man to pay for her existence. And I'm not judging it. I'm, I, what I'm trying to do, because I don't judge that. I mean, if, if that's where she's happy and where her peace is, Many, many people find happiness with that, that route. And I think that for those people where that's a great matchup and it's a happy marriage, that's a beautiful thing. I'm just saying, I don't think she chose that. I think she fell into it because of her upbringing and her marriage. Yeah. She lost track of what she really wanted because she was so adamant before she had that baby that her career was the most important thing. Now, granted, when she had the baby, she probably realized there was more in life than a career, right? And that mm -hmm. happens. I'm just saying she lost everything that seemed to be who she was when I knew her when she was younger. It was kind of sad. Yeah. Now, it shouldn't be sad because she might be quite, she didn't strike me as a happy person. And that's probably why I was sad. You know what I mean? If I mm -hmm. really thought she was at peace with where she was in life, I probably wouldn't have even dawned on me to go, wow, what happened? How did you get from there to here? You were so different when you were younger. I feel like I'm a more enhanced version of who I was when I, I was younger. I feel more free to be me. I feel less inhibited. I feel like I can walk into any room wearing any outfit and carry it reasonably well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I could fall out of the ceiling in my bikini bathing suit into a <laughs> ballroom with people with million dollar necklaces on. And I would find a fun way to get out of that room gracefully. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I would laugh my butt off later that night with at least one glass of champagne at how miserably I did it, but I wouldn't be hung up on it. Yeah. To your question, your very, very, very beginning question was... What was it? Do women? The, 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 well, which one? So when we first started, it was about all that's in our culture that creates this mindset that that's what we're supposed to do is wait for a man to rescue yeah. us. But I, do the women of this yeah. generation, early 20s right now, are they as pre-programmed with the expectation that their prince will, too will come someday? I doubt that they think about it uh, quite 
as literally as certainly the people, women of the 50s, just, you know, the probably every generation it goes hopefully down a little bit. And I say hopefully, because, hopefully, because that's my own prejudice. But mm. here's the thing. I think that women that have daddies do feel less that way in as compared to women that didn't have daddies mm-hmm. or supportive father figures when they were growing up because you're you don't feel whole if that you know if that hole has never been filled or if that you've never been given the examples of how to have a healthy relationship or if you've never been taught that you are beautiful and that you are valuable and that there are standards that you should have for men, then you're going to be more needy in how you fill those things up. And if you're being needy, you are not filling up your needs is different than going for your goals. When you go for your goals, you set goals because if you don't set a goal, you're probably never gonna accomplish it. So like my goal was to write a book before I was 50. And I did that. Yep. But I set a goal and I knew the clock, I was watching the clock. I knew it was coming. I thought I needed to know more to write the kind of book. So I couldn't write it younger because I really didn't know that much yet. Mm-hmm. But I set a goal and I did it because I set it as a goal. Mm-hmm. Filling up an insecurity is something you're compelled to do without mm-hmm. a goal. And you don't do it in an organized, healthy way. You do it because you're needy. Yeah, yeah. And nothing designed out of need is going to be good as something that is strategically designed. So if you're building a lean-to in the middle of a hailstorm, it's going to be shoddy as compared to the nice little hut that you're planning on a sunny day Mm -hmm. that you're putting together, right? That's the difference between the relationship they're building as a girl without a daddy and the relationship that you're building is somebody that's building that hut on a sunny day. Yeah. Building that relationship as a goal of what a good relationship looks like, not just out of, I've got this need and I need someone to fill it. Let's take it one step further. If you're a girl that's without a daddy and it's raining, you have so little tools that you might run into a cave to get out of the rain because you don't realize there's a bear inside. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because you don't yeah. even have the toolbox to realize that. You don't even know to get you don't even know that it's raining out and you shouldn't go out in the rain. I'm just saying you got so many disadvantages. So yeah, I do think that young women that are well balanced in this era of, of the year 2020 are less inclined to automatically head down that road. I do think that there are deeply embedded sociological challenges that will be present even for a woman who specifically sets a career as an important goal Mm -hmm. equal to or above her children, however she wants to categorize that in her mind. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm wondering if they they may not approach it the same way as you were talking. I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, because I've got... um, I do have a daughter and then all her friends and whatnot. And I see all of them uh, pursuing their careers um, and being, you know, bold and independent. But they, when it comes to their um, relationships with men, they don't want to be held back, but, but they, 
they still lean towards, in some cases, it seems to me like they lean towards an unhealthy contribution by that male partner. You know, even my own, and I don't even know if I should say this, my poor daughter, but she talks about how her, her husband has a good enough job and he takes care of her. But she's still bold and independent. But but I think they're still, like you said, is there that is deeply ingrained in our culture, even though she my daughter has gone out on her own and she has a career that she's developing and he better not hold her back. But there's still that dependence on on him. Does that even make sense? I, um, as I'm saying all this, I'm, and I'm thinking of other of her friends, they're maybe a little more quick to let go, it seems like, to say this isn't healthy, you know, move on. Um, but they're still looking for that unhealthy rescue, it seems like. Well, I mean, yeah, let's, let's take a marriage, you know, first of all, how many healthy, healthy marriages really do you ever see in your life? How many, can, um, how many have know. you seen in your life? They should come to mind fairly quickly. Remarkable relationships. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it seems to me like every day I, I, get, I get the underside of a relationship and go, wow, I thought that was healthy, but I guess it wasn't. Because sometimes you just don't know. Well, you don't know. I, I really have only seen a few in my lifetime. And I'm talking extraordinarily special. I've seen many, you know, I, I have friends who are happily married and... One of my best friends is is very happily married. They have mutually aligned goals. Uh, they like each other. They respect each other. You know, there have been times where he's the one that's not worked. There have been times where she's the one that hasn't worked. It just goes back and forth. Fortunately, there's been times where they both were out of jobs, you know, mm -hmm. they're both professionals and it's, you know, they work for more enterprise. So, you know, mergers, acquisitions, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the thing that came to mind when you were talking. If you are a woman in a relationship, a marriage, where you are not the bread earner, that can absolutely be a healthy, balanced relationship where there is 100% mutual respect for the, the roles that are completed by each partner. Mm -hmm. If the woman chooses that role for her life and that's rewarding, then that is 100% okay, even if he is financially taking care of her. I'm talking more about where you fall into it, almost like this person I was talking about, to the point that you're seeking it, even though that really isn't who you were as yeah. a person. It becomes a habit or a tendency. And it's not, it's hard because here, let me give you an example. One time I was dating this guy. And he wanted me to invite his family over to my house for a family dinner. Okay. Okay. I don't do family dinners. I don't do fancy tablecloths and nice place settings and fancy. I don't, I'm not a good cook. Mm -hmm. I don't like to eat very much. It's, it's something that I've always, right now in this pandemic, it's the first time in my life where I've made eating more of an activity because I'm a little bit bored and I was eating too much and I needed to enjoy it more rather than just shove it in my face. Why would I feel compelled to prove to this guy's family that I was a good hostess because he wanted me to do this? Mm. You know, it was basically, hey, I want you to be the hostess and have my family over to your house for dinner. Well, if he were to say that to me now, right? 
I would say, listen, that's not my thing. Yeah. If, if you want to have your family over to your house for dinner, that's fine. I, I will attend, mm-hmm. but I am not going to prepare a meal for your family. And cause I don't have a gravy boat and I'm not <laughs> going to go buy a gravy boat. I don't have fancy wine glasses and I'm not going to go buy them because I don't entertain in my house. Now, if you want, I will take them out to a fancy dinner that you will pay for. But I am, you know what I mean? And that's the thing is when he said that, what did I do as a woman? I should know how to do this, right? And I took it upon myself to figure out a meal. I had to go buy a big casserole dish because I didn't, I mean, it was stupid. It was stupid. I tried to fit what someone else designed for me based on their perception of societal roles. And it didn't even dawn on me to say, I have no interest in having your, that, that I don't mm-hmm. do family dinner. I don't invite people over to my house for big dinners. That's not who I am. Yeah. That, that's too much stress for me. Okay. I don't even eat half of what I cook. I eat half of it. So crappy. <laughs> so why would I put someone else through that voluntarily <laughs> come over to my house and have a horrible meal because I'm going to screw it up because why? Because I don't like doing it. And so I take shortcut, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of my thing is which of the women that you're talking about that is younger right now mm-hmm. going to do what I did versus what we would like to think they would do, which is whatever they want to do. Yeah. I think that, you know, if you have a, a girl that comes from a, a family with good roles that are delineated, that it, even if her mother was a stay at home mother, if that was a healthy role, I'm sure there are times that she saw her mother say to her father, hey, you know, I know that, uh, and and this is the case in many families, I don't like doing laundry. So the the husband does the laundry or the wife doesn't like doing the dishes. You know, she cooks, he does the, I deal with clean dishes, you deal with dirty dishes. Lots of families have that worked out. And girls that have seen that trade-off growing up when they get a request are going to feel comfortable saying, I don't do big fancy dinners. I'm flattered he would even ask that of me, but I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And he he might say, well, that's going to be important to me and a wife. And and then she can decide, is that a role she wants to fill? Or is that when she says, then this future wife of yours is going to need a maid. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to need to hire a cook and a maid. And yeah. yeah. Because if you think that when, if you think marrying me means that you're getting a cook and a maid, then you and I need to talk about the rules in a marriage because I'm not going to be your cook and your maid. I'm not going to do it now. I'm not going to do it later. Someday when you're a little old man and your your spoon can't even find in between your two lips, I will feed you then. (laughs) But until then, as long as your fingers are working, you can do this stuff for yourself. That's kind of what I'm trying to get at is, there's this lack of cognizant recognition of the choices that we make. And I think that as girls without daddies, we inherently try to please versus decide what it is we want for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really, that's a really good way to put it. So it's not about who's earning the income, who has a career, who doesn't have a career, but are you living the life you choose? Exactly. If you want to do laundry and you want to change diapers and you like making 
dinners, more power to you. That's a beautiful life. I have no judgment for a woman who wants to dedicate her life that way. I just want her to be able to look at her husband and say, I'm not cleaning the skids out of your underwear anymore. You're in charge of laundry now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like that. And I I like the way that our culture is starting to pay attention to those things. And even the fairy tales are changing. Um, I don't watch them as much anymore because my kids aren't little, but uh, the little bit that I've begun to see, I've begun to hear and, you know, it's talked about as new things come out because that mentality gets shaped from, you know, in the home, all, you know, tiny children, um, little boys and girls learning how to be independent thinkers um, and being kind to one another and allowing people to be they want to be you know as long as as long as they're respecting each other not filling these roles that are in a lot of cases very unrealistic i think they are changing you know like think about i think frozen was pretty good that way right how uh, i remember is about this song that i can't get out of my head once i start thinking about don't, it but... don't start thinking <laughs> but even mulan Mulan, but she had to pretend she was a a, a young man to save her country. But I actually, before you said Mulan, before I said Frozen, I was thinking of Mulan. Because she didn't give in to what was expected of her. She fought. Mm -hmm. She went in and she stole her lineage uniform, didn't she? It's been a long time. But I mean, she basically said screw you, I'm going to go do this because this is what I want to do. And she went and did it. So she is a, a great example. I don't remember how it ends. I know there was love involved. But I, the part I remember is her stealing the uniform and the sword. Yeah. And taking off and just without permission, doing what she thought needed to be done. So there, yes. there are examples out there. I just think that there's just so many that go the other way. Yeah. It's, just hard. it's hard. You remember, Melody, you had a career and then you got pregnant. That's a huge time in a woman's life, in, a, in the marriage of a family. Mm-hmm. Because so many roles are set early in the family. You know, the man is working, the woman's staying home, taking care of the child, right? Well, nowadays the guy gets to stay home right? Yeah. That that role is, it's shaped a little bit differently, but who's still breastfeeding the baby? Yeah. It's the only one way it can go. (laughs) I'm just saying that no matter what, she's literally, if she wants to breastfeed, she's physically tethered to that child in a way that the man can't do. Yeah. It's like there's some physiological blockages to our freedom and it, it translates in that era of maternity leave into marriage long patterns over roles and duties. Yeah. Who makes the meals? Well, the man comes home. She's been at home with the kids all day. Why, why wouldn't she make the meal and have it ready? Right. But then yeah. what happens when she goes back to work? You know? Well, often, I mean, at least traditionally, it's expected that she continue all of her household duties and go to work. Exactly. And Dishes. who said that was fair? 
I suppose well, if you want to, but you remember the commercials, you know, bring home the bacon and fry it up I, in a pan. I'm yep. just saying that I don't think that we realize all the time when we're making choices, we're choosing what society wants for us over what we would design independent of societal expectations. Yes. Because we're always trying to please people. And like you said earlier, girls without daddies typically do that even more. You know, it's it's looking for that recognition and, and the love and the acceptance and all of that. You know, that's that's how we squeeze ourselves into that people-pleasing mode. Exactly. So where do we go with this? We don't have to look for a man. You know, I think, it, I guess, as I'm asking this question, I'm thinking, well, it just goes back to that emotional intelligence, that emotional uh, maturity to where if you can work on moving up those levels of emotional maturity, then you can get to a place where your emotions aren't tethered to what anybody thinks about you, whether it's another man or another woman or culture or whatever. And you can ask yourself some serious questions and say, what? What is it that I want to do that I need to do? You know, of course, also keeping it within the context of being kind to your fellow humans. It goes back to what we talked about in the beginning of this book, that emotional maturity. If you're strong there, then you can more likely say, no, I'm not doing laundry or whatever that happens to be. Here, here's the advice that I would give a woman if she, if she was making a decision like that. And, and I've said it before, and this is key. Really, what we're doing here in life is really giving back, right? Mm -hmm. There's two things that we can do while we're here. We can take care of ourselves and we can take care of other people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if we build a life that's just taking care of ourselves, you know, that's probably okay. It's probably not going to be as fulfilling. For some people, it might, you know? Um, but when you're looking at this man and you're thinking, here is my rescuer. Is that what you're thinking? No, it's not what you're thinking. Here's this big burly guy. He's got a good job, got this to, you know, so much security, so much social acceptance. You've landed a prince. He's going to take care of you. Everything's looking great. But what happens when you take yourself through this exercise and you project yourself five years down the road and you look at the same burly man and you decide, okay, what if there was a financial reversal? Uh, your big burly man is into construction. And let's say that there's a, a pandemic <laughs> or a world-run Enron, world and they go bankrupt. Now your big rescuer is a pathetic little ball that can't even get off his recliner because he's so depressed to go get another job. And how are you feeling right now? Are yeah. you feeling... Are you in love with him? Did yeah. you love him or did you marry him for what he was going to do for you? So let's take another example. Five years from now, your big burly man gets cancer. He can't work. He loses his company. He's in a wheelchair. You're just having to push him around everywhere. If you love him, like if you loved him when you got married, it's going to be a burden, but you loved him. So it's not, it's not a burden. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the person that you love. Yeah. But if you can project five years down the road and you take everything that is giving you that sense of security and you look at it and you say, do I love them enough to take care of them and wipe their bottom for them and feed them 
five years from now when something horrible happens to them, if you don't, then you might not be marrying them for the right reason. You might be marrying them for what you think you're gonna get out of it. And if you ever get married because of what you think you're gonna get out of it, you're probably not gonna be happily married. Yeah. You have to give, each party has to give 150% for the two to come together and make anything over 100. I mean, it, marriages are just the types of relationship, any relationship takes work. But mm. relationships that are more intimate require more energy because they're more easily damaged. You, you need to marry somebody or pick somebody because you love them, not because they make you feel whole, not because they make you feel safe. I mean, that's nice, but yeah. these, these are all transitive things. That is not who they are. Their physical stamina is not who they are. They can't control that. The only thing an, a person can control in life is their integrity. That's the only thing no one can ever take away from you. Yeah. So let's say you're thinking about getting married to a big contractor who happens to have slightly less scruples than one would hope, and they hit a financial reversal or a physical reversal. Is that, is that really somebody you're going to want to take care of? Yeah. Do you know no. what I mean? You're going to be mm -mm. stuck. Yeah. And, and it, and it kind of serves you right. Right. Cause you were hoping for something for nothing more or less. I, I don't know. I don't know that I mean that I'm just saying when you enter into a relationship, your mind should be toward giving, not getting. And if yeah. you're going into relationship because you want to be rescued by a man, you're automatically stepping into it in out of balance. Yes. And I think that's a really important phrase right there in that out of balance. So if you, you may not be the breadwinner or whatever, but you're bringing a contribution, if you're allowed to bring a contribution to the relationship that is of your choosing, that's going to have a much healthier start. I really like that you emphasize that balance in going into the relationship. Yeah, I think, well, the relationship has a chance long term because yeah. you really do love the other person. I mean, if both people go into it, you you know, have you ever really loved somebody in your life? A, a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know when they, you admire them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you admire what they stand for. You admire their intellect. You admire these things that really the only thing that can take that from them is death or Alzheimer's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and those are things that, you know, when you're sitting around and they're, you're taking care of them in a wheelchair, they're still going to have that intellect, hopefully. And, and if they don't, then that's just the luck of the draw, right? <laughs> you just got, you know, if you, that's the way life is sometimes for some people or, you know. And yeah. I, for those people that find that true love and then lose it during the life or lose it, you know, I don't know. I, I look at people that have been happily married for 50 years and then they lose a spouse and, and you know, they die a few months later and I can see that, right? Mm -hmm. Why would they want to hang around? They, they've had a beautiful thing. And then yeah. you see people that had love and then they lose it to tragedy. And you're like, is it better to have loved and lost? And that, I don't know. You know, there's so many different ways to go through life. But the main thing is go through life making cognitive choices, yeah. not defaulting into behavior because you don't realize it.
That's right. the takeaway. Right. And that's a, that's a good one. And again, I think it just goes back to the first part of the book where at least if you're entering into a relationship, you're entering into it with that emotional maturity and you are your source of acceptance, not somebody else. So whatever the arrangement is, is actually, as in, the more I listen to you talk, the more I'm realizing that the arrangement is actually less important than what, where you stand internally with your own acceptance. Always in all aspects of life, your own acceptance will drive what other people think of you even. Oh, yeah. You walk yeah. into the room with your shoulders back, your head up, acting like you're the most beautiful thing in the world. People probably will be like, who's that? You know, you walk in hunched over. Yeah. You, you send me. cues either to respect you or disrespect you. You absolutely do. Every time you look for approval by someone by putting yourself down, and people do that, mm, yeah, you are digging a hole for your own self to climb out of, and in their mind as well. Yeah, there's nothing worse than somebody that tries to get you to build them up. You know, and do you know why? Hmm. Because it's impossible. Yes, you never fill another person up. So every time they start. You can just tell. You might as well just, I feel like I want to just click the timer on my phone. <laughs> How much time am I going to have to spend trying to make them feel better about themselves when I know the second that we hang up, it'll be as if we never spoke. Yeah. So much more enjoyable to connect with somebody who already has a healthy self-respect. Well, and you know what it is? It's, it's, it is respect, but I like to think of it as self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. If you can accept that you are not a perfect, that you just are, right? You just yeah. are. We were, you know, and then this gets into personal beliefs and everybody has their own, but I believe I was created by God specifically. That is my belief. Yep. This doesn't happen by accident, Melody. Somebody had to create this. I'm just teasing that. That's a joke. Um, I'm just saying, I, I personally believe, and then I think that I come here and I pick up a lot of emotional baggage and I drop it and different people pick up more and more baggage Mm -hmm. and different people learn to drop it. Um, I happen to be a, a terribly efficient human being. So I am never going to go all through life carrying all that baggage because I'm just too, too lazy. I'll never do it. I have to let go of it. Yeah. are holding on so tightly that they cannot let go because they've cobbled together a sense of self-worth through all these defensive stories from the experiences that they have. And so they have to hold on to that luggage to keep that story together, to keep their self-worth together. And that's why they don't grow because they can't go to that scary place where you're not holding on to the edges in the deep end. You're letting go and you're just accepting that you have a right to be here on this planet, that you don't have to be perfect in at all. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do every day is try to be a decent human being. And if yeah. you try, you're going to fail. Did I tell you what I did recently? On a- what? Oh my gosh, this, this is podcast worthy. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I had one of the most insecure 
24 hours of my life in the last week. And by that, I mean, I get, I get insecure moments like that at this point in my life, maybe, oh gosh, it's been a couple of years, Melody. Oh, that's good. So it's not a frequent occurrence oh, for you. Oh, no, no. I mean, it could be years and years. I mean, yeah. I have not had anything like this. And here's what I did. I got on a Zoom meeting, which was with a bunch of other franchise owners. It was a social hour. So alcohol was there. I was not drunk. That mm -hmm. we were planning my son's wedding. We are in the pandemic. Our governor, fill in the blanks. And <laughs> I said... On the call, I made a comment about which political party I favored. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What was I, but I was so frustrated because my kids were having to cancel their wedding, right? And yeah. I said to all of these people, I would like to bitch slap the governor of our state. <laughs> oh my goodness. Those words came out of my mouth in a professional setting. And I could not accept that I had done that. I could not believe that I had been so crass. And even though I know I'm crass, but I, I like to think that I know the right settings for crass. Yeah, yeah. But I went too far, but I was passionate. It was a topic I was, you know, it was in it. My point is now it's okay. Yeah. You know, why did it bother me so much? Because I have not had many professional interactions with those people. And that was their glimpse of Cindy. So now they think <laughs> that I'm this opinionated hothead from Oregon. You're a firecracker they, girl. But they don't, but the thing is they don't know me at all. They yeah. the, my the perception I gave them of me is very much a part of me, but it's so one-sided. But I didn't like that part of me to be out there by itself. You have to know yeah. all of me to get me. And it really bothered me that I let that strong aside out, that opinionated part of Cindy out in that setting. Yeah. And it was inappropriate. And I mean, it just like I could not accept it, Melody. And now yeah. I can't. Now I look at it and I go, yeah, you were a ding dong. <laughs> you were up. You're mad. You were mad. You were yeah. mad. You just watched your kids give up everything. They don't know that. And that's okay. If they want to judge you, if they want to assume you're a hothead, let them think it. And you know, you know who you are and they're going to interact with you again. And they're going to know eventually that that was, if they've even thought of it since then, Yeah, which they probably haven't, I think maybe the president of the entire company and the president of that company, who was also on the call, might have might have been taken aback a little bit. <laughs> like, <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> Here, my point is: what I'm trying to say is, look, you know, and I, I, I hope I come across as a confident individual who wouldn't second guess herself very often. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm trying to say is, I felt like a child last week. Yeah, I felt like a child that had broken the potted plant, and now I had to go tell an adult what I did. Yeah, yeah. And I was embarrassed. I wanted to hide from it. I wanted to pretend like it never happened. And the most thing that I wanted to do was to just let go of it. And I struggled. I think it took me, well, by the time I woke up the next morning, I was fine. So usually, oh, good. usually once I sleep on something, 
whatever that darkness, do you know what I mean? How sometimes yeah. when you're upset, there's a darkness yeah. and you can't shake it. I have literally in my lifetime taken naps in the middle of the day to fast forward through that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work as well as a full night's sleep, but it does take the edge off of it. Anyway, my point is that was pretty huge for me to go that far back in my psyche within the last week. We, we all are going to have moments on this planet where we feel utterly alone, utterly misunderstood, mm -hmm. like we could disappear in a puff and no one would care. Oh yeah, yeah people would care. And yeah. that's okay. Those are all okay. I'm yeah. just saying. You can life, get through it. Yes. Just make sure you get a good night's sleep. Yeah. And, and, and try not to drink too much because if you're hungover the next morning, that's going to hide the, hide the fact that you got over what you were upset about. You're going to be so <laughs> I don't like that anymore. When I was younger, I did, but I don't anymore. Hangovers come with way too big a price tag when you're in your Oh, family. yes. It's not, it's totally not worth it. I'm sure there's a lot more that we could actually dig into with, the, with not looking to men for being rescued. But I think like we've been saying a few times is coming back to that in inner security, realizing that you, you have the right to exist. And, and it's always going to, you know, I, one of my favorite, oh, she's a life coach. And she always says it's 50, 50, 50% 50 great. And 50% it sucks. And, you know, you just got to realize that and know that it's going to be okay. You will get through it. That and a good night's sleep. That and a good night's sleep is all it takes. Life is funny, but if you, if you do, you know, like she said, it's 50% great, 50% not so great. But if you spend all your time looking at the 50% that's not so great, it's going to feel 90% not so great. Yeah, because you, it's where your focus goes. Absolutely. And amplify where your focus goes. So just change your focus. And that's part of what, you know, what your book talks about in that the steps of becoming emotionally mature helps to change where your focus is at and so that you don't focus on the not so good and live in that realm. Next session, are you attractive? So that's going to be interesting. And what the heck is attractive anyway? So, but we'll, I'll, I'll save that for, for next week and we can dig into that and the perception that a girl with a, a good dad who's, you know, balanced and himself emotionally mature, mature, what they instill in their daughter versus a not so healthy dad. So I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Um, any last words about not looking for a, a man to rescue you? Any, any final words of wisdom here? Instead, look for what you would like to design for your own path. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You've had, there's been a few statements you've made in this session that I thought, okay, I need to make a pull quote out of that. I can't remember them all right now, but I remember thinking, okay, that's a good quote. That's worth like quoting and putting with a pretty graphic and put, so I'll have to go back and re-listen through this. You had a couple of really good juicy nuggets in this one. I did me. have a couple nuggets. I remember thinking, wow, that was a good one. <laughs> I agree. I don't know if they were the same ones, but we should we should go through this together and see what we can pull out of this one. If everybody could look at through their life at their lives through the happy glass that you and I look at ours through, how happy would the world be, right? Oh my gosh, this would be. Oh, I was going to say something political, but I think I'll pass. 
I still can't believe I made a comment like that. <laughs> I have had a, to bite my tongue a f- more than a few times recently. Um, yes, this has been an interesting time we live in. Um, so, okay, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I am telling you, if you're listening to this, whether you are a, a young woman or, or if you're a woman of any age, you've been raised, you were raised without a daddy. It might do you some good to read this book and take a look at the steps towards emotional um, maturity and emotional freedom, and then apply to all the unique situations that seem to go with women in this culture. Um, you know, looking to a man to rescue you on whether or not you're attractive and, and all the questions that we're now answering through this book. It would be a great investment to pick up Cindy's book. You can buy it at Amazon. Title again is Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood. Pick it up on, on Amazon. You can get it a paperback or you can get it on Kindle. Uh, if you love it like I did, go ahead and leave us leave Cindy a review. It would be some great feedback for some other young woman to maybe find her path to choosing a life instead of letting culture define her path. So thank you so much, Cindy. And I look forward to talking with you again next week. Thank you. Why do some women seem to have it all together, whereas others seem to be more like a butterfly trying to survive a tornado? Author Cindy McPike observes there is often a common thread pulling through the fabric that weaves the behaviors of women into consistent patterns, whether directive or destructive. One of these threads can be the presence or absence of a supportive father or father figure in the adolescent lives of women. Author Cindy McPike, in her book, Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood, identifies the common struggles and the transformation that is possible on the path towards emotional health. Join this conversation as host Melody Campbell interviews author Cindy McPike, and they discuss what she has learned on her journey from struggling with coping mechanisms that keep her trapped as a victim to learning to understand her own personal worth and how she developed healthy communications of her own needs.